Well, it's a good thing we're talking about this before we start the actual podcast, so I don't have to redact that. Uh, I also have to remember to start after this point, so that's good. Please. So, yeah. Um, do you... I think the last time we were doing these, you picked, so I guess, it, you know, if um, you don't mind, I can pick, unless you have something, you know, that you're dying to get out. Please do. I will frame the whole pet conversation in an interesting way and put that back in the question list. Oh, okay, I cool. think everybody has, even if they've never been or never enjoyed, especially pets, they mm -hmm. have things that they think they know about them. I'll, I'll hold that for a day after I can phrase the question better. That's cool. Yeah. So, um, I guess, <laughs> uh, there's a, there's the, a few. Uh, the, jump, the jump has been made now. Ah, yes. We have, we have uh, a tail guest. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I'm, I'm trying to decide which one I like the most. Okay. Um, anything that is especially appropriate for end of year or, um, holidays or, Wintertime. See. Um, oh, well, hey, yes. Uh, one that old. I thought of just uh, a week ago. I think it might have actually been during uh, a podcast. So um, I don't know if it'll be enough for a full topic, but we'll see. Um, so, yeah, so let's do intros first, and then I'll, I'll do the, uh, the, the topic. So I am Rob, he, him. I'm Matt, he, him. And this is the Hypotheticals podcast. Uh, you could be coming in at some random time because we're getting people from countries where I don't know anybody there. Um, we have uh, an email address, uh, that.hypotheticalspodcast at gmail.com. If you want to say things because we don't have a YouTube channel, so there's no real way to comment. Um, but, you know, if you do want to leave a review on podcast sites that have reviews, uh, that would be great. Uh, I think that's one of the few ways that people get exposed to new stuff, um, you know, kind of like an upvote. So hopefully, you know, new people is always exciting. And uh, yeah, so to, to go on that theme well, of... Just to cement exactly culturally where, where I think you and I stand, you can network like just go out to your window, open it up and yell it out into the night whatever your feelings and reviews are, <laughs> specifying number of stars, specifying feedback and name of podcast. Yeah, if, exactly. if it gets passed by everybody else who's yelling about how they're mad as hell and they don't want to take it anymore, uh, it will eventually reach us inevitably. We exactly. are in places that are nexuses of collecting that type of out loud information. Yeah. Or if it's, you know, your money and you need it now, um, that also works. Mm -hmm. in, 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 yes, 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 yes. Yeah, it's like the. I will um, check in with my cat during the week, see what the cat cat's response here. <laughs> cat here, Maladwat is going to listen to as much as she cares to. The moment that she leaves, we'll know that we've turned a turned a corner in today's show. Hey, there you go. Yes, we got we got ratings by cats. Mm -hmm. New new science mm -hmm. new science. So anyway, new, um, new rating standard better than cats the movie. That's where we want to set our bar. <laughs> <laughs> requires just as much as much CGI work to make to make the host attractive. Otherwise, though, quality quality <laughs> at least that level. Well, you know, I, I think if we can't uh, be beyond that bar, then like there mm -hmm. should be some sort of like Interpol, but for podcasts that would come after us, um, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. that that is a low bar. 
Yeah, so uh, today's topic is what if Santa had to follow FAA regulations? Oh, Lord. Yeah, so um, for people who don't know what the FAA is, um, I'm sure there's at least a few of them. Uh, that's mm -hmm. the Federal Aviation Administration and uh, a, a sequel to the, what was A? No, not the AA. There used to be a name for it before mm -hmm. it was the FAA. Uh, Civil mm -hmm. Air Board, because that's cab for, for some reason. Mm. And, uh, well, they got dissolved when uh, they let two planes smack into each other. Um, they, they figured out that they let that happen, and it's like, yeah, we got to be better. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, mm -hmm. so the FAA makes the rules, and, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's basically, it's for planes, it's for rocketry, it's for drones mm -hmm. now, uh, and basically anything that can go above 1,000 feet, so, like, uh, mm -hmm. balloons, too, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Is that the key thing that you're that you know of? Is the thousand foot uh, capability, or something that was sent to a thousand feet, even if it was not the original intent? It now you're now vulnerable to the enforcement or uh, the control of the FAA, as long yeah. as you're talking about United States airspace. Yep. Yeah. Essentially, um, they they did that because there were there were things that would go below that, like amateur rocketry. You know, that mm -hmm. like water rockets aren't going to go, well, maybe one, but like most of them won't. Yeah. And um, it was, it was like, I guess, too hard to police things below that height. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah. And. Um, well, let's scope how much we're thinking of. Classic Santa. Well, I'll even say Coca-Cola Santa. So you get your Coca-Cola Santa. Uh, 21st century marketing creation version. You've got all the, the reindeer, the eight to nine reindeer that go along with that. You've got um, a sleigh, even of outsized sleigh proportions, ample uh, ample storage for gifts and such. Yep. Anything else that's beyond that classic image that you have in mind when you think about what Santa might uh, might have that the FAA would have opinions about? So that's, that's pretty much it. You know, it's uh, a wooden sleigh as far as I'm aware. Uh, I imagine okay. Santa would be classed as, um, it would probably be classed in the same way as a Cessna, right? Single pilot, one to two mm -hmm. par person mm -hmm. occupancy. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and the first thing yeah. is it has to be a 10, uh, they have to hire another reindeer, uh, and he has to have a green nose light, because FAA regulations, <laughs> you have to have a left and right beacon light. Ah, all right. So this does push us to a precise number. We need an even number. We need a balanced set of lights. Uh, so you need a you need a Rudolph, and now you need a another. Um, I mean, for cultural relevance, I'm just going to say Maya has to be the green one. You've got Maya with the green. You've got Rudolph with the red. That's a name I can remember very easily. There you go. That works. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Well, I've learned so much already. So you got a red and you got a green. You got balance lights. They have to be on, blinking. Is are, are there blink patterns that you're aware of that have to go with that? Because I could see that too. That something ah, about yep. the blink confirms you're not looking at a star. You're not looking at um, you're not looking at something that is a natural phosphorescing or natural source of illumination. You're looking at something that was man-made and has a pattern to it. Has a has a control to it. 
Yeah, that's true. Um, so I don't know if uh, Rudolph and Maya ha- would have uh, like conscious control over that, uh, which mm. means they would need some sort of um, like material that would like basically, mm-hmm. you know, those weird like um, was a pantograph, something that like cycles mm-hmm. so that it becomes visible and not. So yeah, they'd have to have some sort of headgear. Um, some sort of headgear, not so different than. Um blinders right now you're looking at not yeah, just cutting much. off what is the side peripheral vision as you would on a racehorse or a workhorse now you need to focus the nose <laughs> focus the nose light in some particular way yep. you've got the rotating you know glass onion of a lighthouse except it's attached to their nose yeah so th- <laughs> does that mean they have to have their head tilted back do they have to like have you know like a seeing eye reindeer in front of them <laughs> yeah, the, the mechanics involved of this, it's not often they talk through what the reindeer themselves might eat, you know, what they might excrete, the other concerns that have to go with this. But now that's something that the FAA has got to have something to say about those things, too. You can't oh, yeah. just be randomly dropping things off of the sleigh up to and including reindeer reindeer poop as you're going. You right. have to have control over all of that as, it, as you're passing through American airspace. In fact, uh, now that you mentioned that... Um you could technically class the reindeer as employees because they're vital to the flying of the plane. So now you're going to a small uh, passenger airplane. Uh, we've right? moved past Cessna. Yeah, yeah so there's definitely more regulations. We're, we're up there. Yeah, so there's a few things oh, yeah. like yeah. Um, like uh, employees. As employees, they mm-hmm. have to have uh, they have to have like uh, a cap number of hours that they work before they get a rest mm-hmm. period. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how that works with like the time dilation that Santa has to do. Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah. Because you have your absolute time that they're spending just doing something on shift, considered on shift, consider the working hours for Christmas. Mm-hmm. So do you do you need a second shift of reindeer? Has there got to be a shift change at least halfway through? Like 12 hours I could see for the purposes of long-haul flights. 12 hours is one of those things that I bet there's allowance for. Mm-hmm. May even be longer than that. But 12 seems fair to me if you're, if you're now looking at two reindeer shifts uh, split halfway that'd be a practical way to do things while minimizing the total number of staff involved right yeah so um so that's an interesting faa question like um does the because if you think about it there's the real time that's experienced which is what we all have to deal with Uh, in that case you wouldn't have to worry about it because like maybe one 12-hour shift is fine um Mm -hmm. for for staff um santa's a whole other story uh because he's the only pilot flying uh, and yeah. I think, I don't know what the limit is, but with a certain number of employees, uh, you have to have, uh, a co-pilot, like you're just mandated to. So now we have mm-hmm. Mrs. Claus, uh, in there mm-hmm. too. And, mm-hmm. uh, so that, that's just assuming the 12 hour shift. But if like we take I, the time I dilation, now, see, I can't see the FAA agreeing though, that spouses could be pilot co-pilot. Ah, Somewhere that's, in that's... there, I think you've got a you've got a barrier. So now, what you might need instead is you might need a uh, a highly trained and qualified elf pilot. Um, that's uh, a good or point. Or some some other member, who, some other member of the North Pole staff who is able to take over and assist. Right? Yeah, because you got uh you got crew resource management, which is a whole thing that has been going on for decades. Where mm-hmm. um, it used to be a, a big mentality that, especially in certain countries that um, the pilot would be like basically the leader and everyone has to follow the leader. 
and crew resource management says that you can't be like that. So yes, there could be interpersonal things there. I don't know if there's an FAA law against that. Um, mm. I don't know if an elf would be better because you would think an elf would be even more um, beholden to Santa uh, because think they, they live at the North Pole. They can't live anywhere else. Uh, mm. I don't know if they get paid, right? Uh, the elf movie did not address that directly for all of its other great <laughs> insights and great information that it was able to share. You know, the potential size of elves, total, you know, perspective altogether blown up from what you thought of in the past and what, what was right. actually turned out to be true. Payment, though, hmm, agree, not sure. It's got to be spelled out somehow. Compensation, co compensation must exist, I think, or there's something in there that the FAA would really shut you down for. Right. Yeah. It's like labor laws, you know, they're, they're not exempt from those. Um, so, uh, the, te the technology on board, we've already talked about the lights a bit. Think about what else you'd need. You need transponders, automated and manual transponders and communications equipment. Yeah. You need, well, before you get onto those, um, yeah, we're talking about the duty shifts. Um, yeah. you know, if we're, if you're talking about like time dilation so that Santa can go to all the places he needs to, um, mm -hmm. That could be like, it could be years every Christmas that they're doing that. Mm -hmm. um, so so in that case, yeah, they definitely have to have relief crews. Uh, and you'd have mm -hmm. to have a relief Santa because the pilot flying has to be able to, to take a break. Um, but anyway, you're talking about transponders, yes. Yeah. Um, so, so NORAD wouldn't have to worry as much about tracking Santa. You know, it could just be regular... Um, regular what do you call it like um air traffic control i'm starting to think the norad thing is, is marketing way more than it is needing <laughs> any kind of any kind of realistic flight safety <laughs> needs here because we've already pierced the veil on what flight safety could mean and if it's simply watching a thing move from one direction to the other direction nowhere near fine enough for for something at the uh at the technological and government control level that NORAD, you know, uh, uh, portrays. Yeah, mm. yep, exactly. And we don't even, mm. I don't even think we even know Santa's flight level. Like, um, that's the, and that's the other thing. Uh, mm -hmm. There's, um, you know, there's like other equipment that you have to have, like, for example, um, well, you have to have uh, flight data recorders and a cockpit voice recorder. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. So you get to know a lot of Santa's secrets. Mm. You get to know exactly where the North Pole is for him. Mm -hmm. Oh. Well, let me combine two ideas here then. Sure. If Santa is the, the figurehead, if Santa is the guy who is the face of the whole operation, mm -hmm. does Santa need to know what the flight route is? And does Santa even need to be piloting? Or could Santa be the, hey, look at me, I'm the, the red elf wearing all the gear, tossing the presents around. Instead, it turns out just a, just a guy from, just, just a PR guy. All of the flight work is done, coordinated by a people who are not necessarily in view, and yet they're the ones who have all the training. They're the ones who know the routes. They're the ones who stay in touch with any sort of ground services that need to know what the path is. Well, that actually makes a lot more sense. Uh, especially from a practical point of view, because when you're the pilot flying, um, you're supposed to A, have two people in the cockpit at all times. So when Santa goes down the chimney, 
uh, he's he's not at his post. And oh, that's a lot only... of abandoned time from the from a pilot, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a that's a large fine every single time he goes down a chimney. Yeah, or, so he could basically be the flight engineer. Yeah, that, like that could be his job. He would do the actual or or basically if this was like equivalent to a cargo plane, he'd be mm -hmm. like the the loadmaster uh, because mm. he'd be the one managing what's going on and off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is we're... making way more sense. <laughs> Logistically speaking, way more sense. San is the face of the operation. And everyone else fills in the A team from there. Yeah, exactly. It could be like a, like a check pilot. You know what that is? Say say more, please. So a check pilot is essentially a pilot who's got so much training and experience that he ends up being the person who verifies that other pilots are ready to be captains or first officers. Uh, and interestingly enough, um, a lot of mistakes happen. Well, not a lot, but some mistakes happen with Czech pilots, like the deadliest air crash that ever happened, which was actually mm -hmm. one plane taking off into another plane that wasn't supposed to be on the runway. Uh, it, happened mm. ten, it happened at Tenerife, and mm -hmm. the pilot who did it was a Czech pilot for years, and because mm -hmm. he was always doing his work in a simulator, he was just always giving himself clearance to take off, so he just skipped proper uh, uh, takeoff oh. clearance. It's like, yep, I'm going. <laughs> so yeah. Tenerife is a legendary uh, situation. That's a got to be a proven ground. I mean, FAA or not FAA, as a as a as a uh, what territory of Portugal, mm -hmm. it has to be under different regulation. You think EU regulation? Uh, how different might those be from what you'd see uh, controlled or written by the FAA? Yeah, that's a good question because. Um... Because of like things like the Open Skies Treaty, um, there are basically global standards which almost like I think there's maybe like a dozen countries out of over 200 that don't follow those rules. Because if you want to fly to anywhere, you basically have to be part of this uh, treaty, and you have to have standards. So like um, you have to have ATC that can speak English, right? No matter mm -hmm. what country you're in, because that's the aviation yep. language, uh, you have to open your uh, local. Well, if you have to have a local investigation board, uh, you have to open your investigations to. There's basically up to three different uh, things that can be involved in an investigation for an accident. Mm -hmm. That and this is the NTSB. It's not the FAA, but NTSB recommends stuff and gives it to the FAA, and hopefully they enforce it. Um, uh, uh, before we go further, please fill out the rest of the acronyms we're throwing out. Oh, people. yeah. ATC, so the, Air Traffic Controller. Yep. Yep. Uh, NTSB is the uh, National Transportation Safety Boards. Board, mm -hmm. not boards. Um, and they're, they're, they basically do the investigations for crashes. Um, so when, the, when an airline crashes, uh, the country where it crashes in would be part of the investigation. Uh, the manufacturer of the airframe, if the airplane, uh, would be involved. And if the plane came from another country, the country of origin would be involved too. Uh, and that that basically standardizes almost everything. Um, mm -hmm. 
the only things that can happen somewhat differently between countries is um, basically directives against specific airlines or specific airplanes. So like one country can deem an airplane not safe for flight and therefore they can't take off or land in that country. Uh, if an airline has a bad enough track record, uh, which happened to Korean Airlines for a while, um, like the EU just said, no, you're not coming in. Uh, no more Korean Airlines landings uh, permitted. Exactly, because they had one, one mm. year, they had like two crashes within months of each other. Uh, mm -hmm. And the, the reasons, I think, were, were very similar. So that, so that they didn't mm -hmm. learn their lesson. Um, mm. So yeah, so all these other agencies uh, basically act the same. So mm -hmm. Santa would be registered. Actually, that's a good question. Um, so there's the yeah, Antarctic. Yeah, because there's the Antarctic Treaty, which says that you um, can't own things there. It's like an international mm -hmm. thing. Um, but yep. there is no Arctic Treaty that I'm aware of. Um, so as well as the land masses involved are so much smaller than then I guess the native landmass. If you stripped yeah. away everything and you still had the land at Antarctica, very different size, relatively speaking. And there's, there's like no Antarctic continent. It's just like basically permanent ice. Um, mm -hmm. There's like a bunch of islands up there, um, mm -hmm. but not like actually near any of the three North Poles. Um, mm -hmm. The magnetic, the geographical, and I forget the third one. The, but the, there's like... There's essentially three of them or rotational. I don't know how they figure that out. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, so. So where is Santa registered? That's an important, really important question. Yeah, uh, I because I'm already seeing a lot of parallels here with the Concord. Mm -hmm. The system where you got a guy who goes really fast. Right. An iconic sort of frame that's not easily replicated in any other aircraft, meaningfully. Yeah, not R used in the military sense anymore, like maybe de developed under military, originally military means. At mm -hmm. some point, the, the, the wrappings were taken off. Santa goes corporate, publicly serving instead. And honestly, if this, if this one Santa play were to crash, that might be it for the whole Santa operation. That, that's like true. like Concord crash. That was it. That was it for the whole Concord operation. Well, the Concord's an interesting one because when they did have that that accident um they did find out what it was they were able to resume for a while it's just that mm -hmm. like they they were operating on essentially the 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 wealth tax model which is you mm -hmm. know we're going to advertise this to very rich people and therefore it'll only be profitable if really rich people want to do it and uh they essentially got skittish and they couldn't keep up with the amount of um you know ticket purchases that they were actually getting it's like, yeah, yeah, mm. we're done. Um, but when you said the, the you know, the, a, a rare airframe, you know, RIP yep. to the AN-225 that got destroyed in Ukraine. Yeah. Just minding yeah. its own business. <sighs> so, yeah. So, um, did, what, what was it? I was going to say something about else about the airframe. Um I lost it. Maybe there must back. be tooling and specifications and other things that Santa's sleigh would be a real risk of not being able to meet unless there is something more going on than what you popularly see when you're mm -hmm. talking wooden sleighs. Yeah. Although so I did, did remember the... it. It was, um, yeah. so theoretically 
if you trace back St. Nicholas, right? Like, where was St. Nicholas born? All right, so um, St. Nicholas, modern day All Turkey. So moved. it would be a Turkish registration. Modern day Turkey? Yeah. Hmm. Turkish registration, okay. Yeah. I don't think he'd be uh, folded so into Turkish, Turkish Airlines, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think the two would, for, for their own reasons, would want to keep those two associations separate. Yeah, that's fair. So you were talking about other standards for that type mm -hmm. of plane. Um, mm -hmm. I honestly don't know because there, I think there's like one exception. There's, um, there's like a very old airline. It was one that lasted mm -hmm. for like over a century uh, before they had an accident, and then they were basically discontinued because they couldn't take care of their planes. They didn't have the money to do it. Um, oh, yeah. But I think that might have been like the last one that actually had wood frame passenger aircraft. Um, so I don't know if that would even be allowed. Like, may maybe they make an exception for magical wood. Like, we don't know where the magic is, right? <laughs> <laughs> like a lot of laws, there's a lot of trust involved, too. Yeah, exactly. Although trying to verify that would be interesting because um, planes, like all planes do have to be inspected. Um, and mm -hmm. then there's FAA oversight of those inspectors. So mm -hmm. essentially you'd have to fly out the FAA to the North Pole mm -hmm. to inspect, you know, the repair facilities for the sleigh, right? Uh, well, would you be okay with the nominal, if unknown to us, elfin pilot and co-pilot bringing it to another location whether it was turkey whether it was somewhere else that the faa inspectors themselves could live so they did not need to know what the facilities of the north pole were like or do you think it's essential that they also are able to inspect the north pole facilities so for it's interesting so for airworthiness you wouldn't be able to fly until you got an airworthiness certificate so mm -hmm. you'd have to basically fly it on a conventional plane uh out to an inspector um, but i think mm -hmm. even then the um, the actual like repair facilities, I think those have to be directly inspected. So I don't think you'd have a choice. Hmm. Um, maybe maybe Santa could like magically um, erase their memories of how they got there, but leave their memories <laughs> intact of what they were doing. Mm -hmm. But then you gotta or wonder agree that there's that there's some part of that area because there are places where you can legally for legal purposes you can cross over into a national border mm -hmm. or a national space that itself is placed far away from whatever the originating country is oh like embassies so could the faa decide sealand style or <laughs> any number of other small remote locations that represent itself this is an this is a facility where we can do all appropriate inspections we can qualify it as such even though what they really are is a um off the edge of Greenland or somewhere else that mm -hmm. intellectually fits in right with the, the mode of where you think the North Pole being involved. Well, I do like the idea of having like, um, like a sovereign territory in Greenland that is mm -hmm. actually the repair shop. So, so Santa can fly back and forth, but it has to be, all service has to be done there. Mm. Yeah. But I the like other thing, too. The other thing that are interesting about that is like all airplanes have to go through like uh, safety tests, right? Like the airframe mm -hmm. itself. So that yeah. includes like crash testing. So you'd have to have like multiple oh, sleighs made. The, so. crash the crash test reindeer. Just imagine the setup for the crash <laughs> test reindeer. 
I, I would love to be part of the, like, imagine if you've been building crash test dummies, you know, men, women, children for decades. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, um, we just need some, and imagine trying to be subtle about it. It's like, so what if they had a dog, it, you know, was like 400 pounds <laughs> and, and had, you know, pointy things on its head, you know, just don't ask questions, you, you know, build this for us. <laughs> I'm thinking of the, the safety training facility, the all of the other the motivational posters that go along the side for all <laughs> of the, the elves that walk back and forth to, you know, the the images of you've got the crash test dummies put in a very sorry, crash test reindeer, the crash test reindeer put in very chummy situations, both you know, <laughs> swapping swapping stories next to the water cooler, uh, in the same way that they tried to put that that uh, friendly coat on car safety. Uh, when the U.S. was making that a competitive emphasis back in the 70s and 80s. Yep. Yep, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course, they'd have to do the same for the elves who are, who are flying the plane. Um, you'd have to design a seatbelt that could handle an elf and Santa. Are you... Uh, how far do you have to go with the safety equipment, then? You need the safety belt. You need evacuation chutes. I think you'd, you'd need evacuation chutes. You have no yeah. positive guarantee that you can jump onto the back of one of those reindeer before they fly away. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. Interestingly enough, um, they'd also have to have uh, an emergency air supply. But the thing is, oh. they, wouldn't they wouldn't actually need to use it because as every picture I've seen of Santa's sleigh, um, it's mm -hmm. open cockpit, right? And the, the reindeer yeah, don't yeah, need it. Yeah, non not at all pressurized at all. No. Yeah. So hmm. according to FAA regulations, I don't think you can. I don't think you're allowed to have an unpressurized vehicle uh, above ten thousand feet. Like you can't be certified for it. <laughs> so that limits us then. Ten thousand feet is as high as Santa could go without running into that problem of needing to have additional equipment that you do not expect him to have on his unpressurized sleigh. Yeah. Exactly. Which the if then. We wouldn't want this there. It's not relevant to us. We're unpressurized. Okay, therefore, your maximum flying capacity is, or maximum flying altitude is, is 10,000 ceiling. And above that, who knows what happens? Once again, you're, you're opening yourself up to all sorts of fines and regulation you don't want to deal with. Yeah. And the funny thing is, like, they, they couldn't cheat and just say that they were going to use it and then install it, right? Um, because mm -hmm. that would be naughty, right? <laughs> that would be a lie. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I like how we've overlapped with one of our previous discussions about company towns and how the North Pole was obviously a company town. We keep reporting, re returning to the North Pole for a variety of reasons. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a variety of very, very, it raises a lot of questions that we think we deserve being answered. Yeah. yeah it turns uh, out one of their biggest industries is, is, an, is a very small airline. Mm. A freight so airline. A very small, targeted airline. Uh, I am... I'm thinking more and more that this must run during non-Christmas times to be sure that the everything works as appropriate. Because would the FAA even certify something that's only going to fly once a year? That's a, that's a really good point because that's not um, plane specific, but it is airline specific. Uh, and here's a little little fun fact: um, this one is about Heathrow Airport, basically uh, one of mm -hmm. the busiest airports in the entire world. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. uh, during the pandemic, they would still fly planes empty so that they could maintain their scheduled route. 
uh, because if you oh. don't use that route, they'll sell it and they get millions of dollars uh, for doing that. So mm -hmm. yeah, you basically have, uh, you'd have check flights. Well, actually these wouldn't mm -hmm. be check flights. They would be scheduled flights. Um, mm -hmm. The thing is that because of the unique nature of it, um, yeah. we haven't actually discussed if Santa lands, like in some movies, he could just like leave the, the thing flying and go down the chimney and come up on others. Mm -hmm. He lands and, mm -hmm. uh, the FAA would really only be cool with a flight that doesn't land on, on houses, right? <laughs> Landing in areas that are 0% um, qualified to negotiate a landing of a flying craft, a licensed flying craft. Yeah. Yeah. He'd have to be the, he'd have to be the Santa, the halo. He'd have to be the halo shoot equipped <laughs> Santa who can, can drop right into the chimney and then get back up on board without having to make contact with the, with the, the ground and all the support resources that go along with that. Yep. If he truly is visiting all of these houses and all these cities and all these locations. Yep. And the FAA is probably cool with that because we, again, we do allow high altitude drops. Uh, and yep. the CIA was working on that thing, as you might have remembered from the Dark Knight movies, um, mm -hmm. Skyhook. So he wouldn't need mm -hmm. the hook, but he would be going back up, right? Um, mm -hmm. But given that, you know, landing clearances are an important thing. Um, that means a few things. So anyone who is in controlled airspace, that means all military mm -hmm. bases and miles mm -hmm. around, um, what do you call it, um, airports. Like mm -hmm. there was this very interesting story about a guy who was like flying a Cessna and he entered um, the, the controlled airspace like a few miles around the, whatever the one nearest to LA is, I think. Mm -hmm. LA, LAX, hard to remember, right? Yeah. Um, and he got in deep trouble because when you're in controlled airspace, you have to be under active control by uh, mm. a, one of the um, air traffic controllers. And mm -hmm. um, if he's active not landing, they have to know trajectory, your plan, what your flight plan is, etc. Exactly. Yeah. And um, you, you, you shouldn't just be going in and out of that for any reason other than landing or taking off. Um, so. That would be a really interesting logistics problem. It's like, look, if you believe in Santa Claus and you want mm -hmm. presents, you cannot live mm -hmm. in this area. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a little sad coda to the movie about the guy who just lives in the Paris airport the whole time. He's never going oh, to get yeah. any presents any Christmas. That's sad. That's true. He goes to the W.H. Smiths and picks out a book for himself each year, and that's about the, that's about the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if I can uh, rephrase or summarize some of the things we've had so far, yeah, we've got a, now an operation that's got to run more than once a year in mm -hmm. order to stay legit, in order to, to be able to negotiate its, its own planned flight routes, in order to maintain those so that they can be ready for that one time a year when, they're, they're, when it's show, you know, showtime. Uh, you've got to have very likely elf and co-elf pilots. Yep. monitoring things there's there's going to be a shift change at some point of the reindeer who are providing you know what, what you need in order to finish out that whole day yep. uh, you've got to have match reindeer maya and rudolph in the front red and green you're yep. operating between a thousand and ten thousand feet because below a thousand all these regulations may not matter 
mm -hmm. but also below a thousand, it's almost ridiculous as to thinking how that would operate as versus needing to be able to get to a high altitude and reach all these other areas. You're too vulnerable to weather, you're too vulnerable to other circumstances. But then above 10,000, you're not able to operate the sleigh as you'd picture it because you have all of these, uh, you have unpressurized space and then all new kinds of things come into play when you're above that. Mm -hmm. um, not to mention inspections. Those need to happen at some place where the FAA has authority. Mm -hmm. So we've got some area, let's say somewhere in Greenland, the, the FAA and the USA have set up space. They can bring the, anything that is going to be flying, they can bring it there. Yeah. Uh, and we believe that there uh, we, we we just believe that there are crash test reindeer out there. We may not have seen the crash test reindeer, but a lot of them have right. to exist. There are probably a lot of entertaining educational films that go along with that. Yep. And uh, I'm done. Turkish. Oh, right. Also, Turkish Airlines, or at least from the, the modern Turkish area, is where you'd expect all of these to operate. So the FAA does have this broad impact the same way that GDPR has a broad impact on the way we think about personal data. But really, you're going back to Turkey as our, uh, as our source for the man himself. Yep. And wow. um, so that means that as, as a Turkish carrier, that means if there are any embargoes that other countries have against Turkey, he's not allowed to fly there either. Uh, yeah, a lot dicier in the past few generations compared to where he might have been a few centuries ago. Yep. Think about being Santa and think about watching all of this stuff fashion around you. Is right. there a chance to be grandfathered in for some of these? Or do you really, do you accede to each of these step by step because, you know, you got to get these, these, these presents out to these kids. Otherwise, why? Am, what am I even doing here? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's another thing. So... Um... There, there is something that I want to get to, which is TCAS, but, uh, and I'll explain the acronym later, but, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's, that's a good point because obviously he predates any, uh, other air flight system, like control mm -hmm. system, uh, mm -hmm. or even like unpowered flight, like balloons, right? He predates all those. Um, mm -hmm. so it's a very, it's a very interesting idea that, um, Essentially, Santa probably could have avoided being subject to regulations until uh, he was detected on radar, right? Um, mm. Like, and even then, he might be fine until he started violating controlled airspace, right? At that point, so somewhere like, World War Two, and then the era immediately afterward, gray, gray zone, but not too far past that gray zone. Now, there's something has to happen. Yeah, exactly. Although he might have wanted, here's the thing: he might have wanted um, to to have that sort of uh, control, because mm -hmm. imagine Santa trying to deliver during World War II bombings, right? Like, well, you know, air, airplane fights, dog fights. Um, you know, it's like, no, I'd rather be a known quantity. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I don't want to be flying over an active war zone and somebody not know what I am, uh, because. Mm -hmm. There are actually, um, like, and th they've been terrible and they've been getting better, um, but there have been, like, interactions between uh, military aircraft control and civilian air traffic control. Um, there's a whole bunch of very interesting stories that aren't the purview of this podcast, 
Um, mm. But essentially, there have been a few instances instances that say, oh yeah, we really should, you know, actively control and communicate. Uh, mm-hmm. Like there was one uh, in the, I think, in, yeah, one in the eighties, where yeah. Iran, Iran, I think it was an Iran Air flight. Uh, it took off at essentially a time later than it was expected, and the military, like the U.S. carrier that was mm-hmm. in the area had a list of flights, but since it didn't match up with the flight and because it wasn't responding on a military frequency, they only used the emergency mm-hmm. frequency twice and never used the call out for um, the plane. They just said mm-hmm. plane heading whatever instead of calling out its like transponder. Um, yeah. So they shot it down. Um, mm. Not, not but good. It was, a, it was a commercial flight. It was a commercial Iranian flight. Oh, yeah, so it was civilians. Um, oh, and believe it or not, they gave the people on that carrier medals for their coolness under pressure because they were also being attacked by some gunboats at the same time. Oh, lordy. Yeah. Um, and then there was another... So so, not wanting to be, you know, a, a target of, you know, an AMRAM system <laughs> is probably something that Santa is, like, you know, okay with. It's like, yeah, I'll tell you where I am. Um, yeah, strong incentives. Once you have the ability to take something out between that 1000 and 10,000 foot range, we're talking. Yeah. Yeah. Although imagine, imagine someone in the nineties, you know, goes like, you know, no, Santa's not real anymore since the incident. Uh, uh, so, so the way that they get Uh, that level of control is yeah. uh, transponders. So mm-hmm. every plane, as you mentioned, um, mm-hmm. has a transponder on it, even uh, mm-hmm. small crafts. Uh, and this is meant to help in uh, active control because not every part of the world, uh, even on land, has positive radar coverage. Um, so that's secondary radar where the thing tells you, it beacons out where it is. Um, mm-hmm. Most things have GPS. Um, so you get some sort of level of uh, communication, even over, you know, mm-hmm. the Pacific, you know, the, the biggest area where there's just nothing tracking you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it is, we're talking automated system. You might have a switch, you flip the switch on, but once it's on, it is sing, sending out a signal every so often. So that is a very good point to make. Um, almost all planes nowadays have a, tr- well, commercial ones for certain. Um, mm-hmm. have transponders that you basically can't turn off. Um, mm. they, they learned, I think they learned that lesson uh, after MH370, where the pilot, mm-hmm. he knew how to turn it off. Um, the one thing that he couldn't turn off was uh, a maintenance connection to uh, a set of satellites overhead, uh, which wasn't meant to give positioning data, uh, but mm-hmm. because of like light delay, they, they were able to somewhat track where it was even after it was turned off uh, because yeah. that maintenance system was still on. Um, but nowadays, it's because they don't they don't want you stealing a plane and you know not being able to, to have it uh, be able to find it. Uh, the same yeah, thing. Yeah, say more happened. about that flight so people know here what you're talking contextually. Oh, MH370. Yeah, that's true. There might be people who don't know what that is. Um, so asking for a friend who is also me, that's, that's fair. 
Uh, not everyone binges, you know, 20 seasons of air crash investigations. Uh, so yeah, MH370, um, it's now people say more famous than Amelia Earhart being lost mm -hmm. because it was a Malaysian airlines flight. It took off late at night. Like it was an overnight flight. And, mm -hmm. uh, they basically had a handoff between, uh, one airport and the next, uh, one air traffic control area and the next, and then never came back online, never made the next check-in. Mm -hmm. And because of this data, they figure out that basically instead of turning, I think it was supposed to turn right, he turned left mm -hmm. and uh, just disappeared into the Pacific. And of course, they, they mm -hmm. did find parts. So, you know, the p crazy people who think it's like, you know, aliens abducting them. No, it, it just crashed. Um, yeah. And they're pretty sure that basically it was an active control situation where the, a pilot did this. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, because there was another case. This is turning into like an air crash investigation, like speed run, essentially. Um, mm -hmm. But there was another case where... Nothing says uh, aircraft speed run like Santa. Yeah. yeah. The original, the, the, the OG SC FAA speed run. Exactly. The first powered heavier than air flight. Uh, sorry, Wilbur and Orville. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, they, 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 they were working, they tried gasoline. They should have been looking for antlers, but eventually they got there. Uh, so, so yeah, I actually lost my track of so intentional Malaysia, Malaysian, Malaysian oh, yeah. intentional every now and then other things also intentional where pilots are despondent or somehow decide, yeah, this is how I want it to go. Yeah. There, there's some wild ones. There's like a, a FedEx flight where the guy planned to like murder his crew as a spare crew member so he could get life insurance because he was about to get fired. Um, there was a German wings pilot who was basically told by like a dozen different uh, mental health professionals that he, you know, should, should pause piloting to get his mental health issues under control. Uh, and because airlines don't like, will immediately suspend you if you have mental health issues. Um, and he was, that was the one thing that he was super afraid of. And because laws in the country that he was in um, prevented, essentially, uh, the, the mental health professionals from telling anybody, um, he was supposed to self-report. Uh, he flew a crowded plane into uh, the mountains. Uh, but there's the other case where it was like uh, Helios. I can't remember the flight number um, where they didn't set the um, the pressurization switch correctly, so it lost pressure immediately because there was nothing to keep it pressurized. Uh, the pilots became hypoxic so fast because their flight checklist didn't tell them to immediately don their oxygen masks. Um, so it just flew until it ran out of gas. Yeah. So the good thing is that these are rare and we generally learn from them. So the, the flight checklist now says, hey, if you get this warning, don't do any mm -hmm. troubleshooting. Put on your oxygen masks. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If something were to happen, what would we learn? Yeah, that's something a good question. Were to happen to Santa, like, what would be the takeaways from this? What would be your approach to investigating what had happened? You get somewhere over Montana. That's it. NORAD says, wait, we lost Santa. Santa never comes back on board. What's your approach? Yeah, so um, it depends on, on what happens, right? Um, and so I want to give a possible reason, 
first, going back to the other mm -hmm. topic that I promised to go to. So TCAS is yes. a traffic collision avoidance system, and it uses those transponders because not only can the ground pick up transponders, but so can other planes. Um, so it basically says, if you are at the flight level and calculated distance to another plane, um, TCAS tells both planes that you're in a dangerous situation and tells one plane to do one thing, like go up, and the other plane to do another, to go down, to guarantee that even if one of them doesn't respond at all, um, that the accident will be avoided. Um, mm. There was actually another famous case uh, in the Netherlands area, I think, where everyone in the U.S. was told, yeah, follow TCAS above every other instruction, including air traffic control. Um, and that rule wasn't in place in some places, including this country. So one pilot was told to go down. The other pilot was told by air traffic control to also go down. Uh, and they, yeah, they, they, they kissed in the sky. Not great. It was, as, as George Carlin would say, it was a near miss because they nearly missed. They actually hit. <laughs> with with just one sleigh that does help you unless unless they're backup sleighs that we're not even touching yeah. on right now it does give you the confidence that you're not going to have a sleigh sleigh connection or however a, a slaying if you will sorry a slaying a mutual mutual third slaying However, we've already acknowledged there's got to be a second set of reindeer. So what do they train on? Yeah, do they I, all train I, on the same play? I think due to um, like crew switches and testing yeah. reasons that they absolutely have to have multiple sleighs. Um, it doesn't necessarily explain that this would exist before the FAA, um, but you'd think someone who has um, a mission critical yeah, job that they'd have them anyway. Uh, but they might have to have more, right? Mm. Um, yeah, because they and don't talk about you wear run and tear. Into, like, you've got one with the magic wood, but then you you must have other, whatever the training things are. Do they have the magic wood, or are they framed in a way and built in a way that they can sustain their own, all of the other needs that go along with it? Yeah, because that's a good question, because we don't know like the extent of the magic. Like, Does the magic mm -hmm. only provide flight? Does the magic provide... like? Um, like tensile strength, compression strength, we don't know. So we'd have to test that. Um, and you can you can guarantee that anyone looking to, you know, avoid dependence on fossil fuels is going to want that magic wood, right? It's like you don't have to refill your plane; it just yep. works. You're getting uh, you're getting voice messages from BP all day, all day, every day. <laughs> they would really like you to call back about this. There's a lot that they want to discuss. Yeah, yeah, BP probably, and then you have a bunch of other oil companies that are just like sending hitmen to, you know, to Greenland. <laughs> it's like we need to destroy the sleigh industrial complex. Nothing but white-kitted, uh, you know, CIA CIA trained operatives crawling <laughs> all over trying to find exactly where it is. Uh, you know, the the Wagner the Wagner army probably call or probably taken <laughs> all of it. All of its, you know, highly skilled guys from those squads that are that are going from one end of Greenland to the other, either going after each other, going after anyone who looks elfish, or 
figuring out what an FAA uniform looks like and trying to, uh, <laughs> you know, draft them through any sort of security apparatus. Yep. Yeah, because at least that'd be a, no, a known, uh, like, chokehold to that, like a checkpoint, because uh, unless they can turn an elf, right, it's going to have to be someone external. <laughs> oh, the amount of soft skills that those elves <laughs> have to, to go through, the kind of training they need, the counterintelligence training that you'd have to have in order to be an elf, just for the purpose of, Lord knows, having this training sleigh certified a couple times a year so that you could take it on the training runs with the reindeer. Yeah, that alone's got to be the, the weight, the emotional weight and toll taken on those elves. <clears throat> hmm. Yeah, are the elves immortal? I know Santa's supposed to be. Until the incident. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So let's so let's let's um let's let's begin talk of the incident. So, um, so 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 T Cass, um, mm -hmm. fails in some way. Um, whether, whether intentionally or not, you know, BP mm -hmm. was, was not able to be reached for comment. Um, or, or as you say, there is locally to what the North Pole has going on. They may decide here's a situation where our advice is more important than TCAS. Yeah, there you go. So Santa believed them, believe them that this was, it was way more important or the elves who are directing the sleigh. It's more important to listen to what the North Pole has to say. Uh, so does that mean, does that bring us back to the turned elf? Was there an elf that was motivated so directly by one of these other forces that it gave a direction to go somewhere where now Santa was uh, at military risk? Above 10,000 feet, for example, below 1,000 feet. Something as simple as that while a military craft was on operations in the area. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, it's like, well, there was a very, very good kid in this active war zone, and we need you to go in there. Yeah. Oh, actually, that that actually kind of works because, guess who doesn't have TCAS? Oh, who doesn't? The U.S. military. Military planes oh. do not have TCAS. Oh no. Yep. Oh yeah, that's that's way too likely now. Yep. So here's here's the scenario. Um, so, um, Santa is being requested to go into an active uh, war zone, um, where a C-130 Hercules, uh, is. <laughs> Is, is taking off and climbing it to altitude. Um, so he, so it's in a high nose up position, uh, not not yes, you yes, know yes. great visual flight rolls, right? Nope. And um, and yep. notoriously bad weather. You're going to rely on your instrumentation and you're going to rely on ground ground direction. Exactly. Um, we haven't determined like whether um, Santa's sleigh is magical to the point of deflecting radar. Um, mm. but in this case, let's say it doesn't matter. It doesn't happen in time. Um, mm -hmm. so the, um, the C-130, uh, loses mm -hmm. all four engines because Santa's sleigh is going at a 90 degree flight path, uh, and all four engines stall because of ingestion of reindeer material. <laughs> oh, uh, too legitimately concerning and yet well explaining well explaining the incident and then all of the things that come afterward that prop up prop up exactly what you'd hoped would be possible uh would the incident somehow also mean that you have to take military action against the north pole in order to keep the north pole themselves from raising an alarm to the rest of the world as to what has happened 
does a cover-up need to go that broad? Oh, man. That's a, that's a good question. Like, like the elves can communicate with Santa, but can they communicate with anyone else? Um, like, would they be willing to? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> just a military blockade around part of message. Greenland. A recorded message from Mrs. Claus is, is, is sent out broadly to, you know, media outlets. And somewhere in between, the UN Security Council decides, well, that's not something that we can make happen at this time. It would, it would put... <laughs> the stability of our uh, collective, right, a collective government too much at risk. So therefore we, the Security Council, uh, have to agree on this one thing, even if we agree on absolutely zero other things. Yeah, yeah, they pass a resolution. There, there are no abstainers, no vetoes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we no longer recognize the North Pole as a sovereign nation. <laughs> we, will, we will bring freedom to it. <laughs> Uh, for the good of the Christmas. Yeah, exactly. I'm not going to say it's a war on Christmas, but it's a war near Christmas. It's a war around Christmas. Yeah, they, they could they could absolutely spin it to it's like you know it turns out that uh, that Santa his his system was a monopoly, and mm. uh, you know now that now that we've gained access to the magical wood, um, we'll mm-hmm. be doing Christmas deliveries. Um, you know, for mm-hmm. like for 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 PR purposes, like they could, um, they could do deliveries, you know, on non, non Christmas days for, for other belief systems who, who want mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, most of the things people want is Lego. So let's just let the Danes handle most of it. Right. The Danes are already pretty, already have Greenland under wraps anyway, nominally. Yeah, there so you, you could just say, okay, we're just going to operate with that as our, uh, as our guiding light metaphorically. And then physically on the ground, they're going to be the ones who coordinate what happens next. There you go. An, an actual reason why we'd want to purchase Greenland. <laughs> also explains some of that, 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 that back and forth nonsense, doesn't it? Yes. The, 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 the Kringle conspiracy. <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, so, yeah, I guess we, you know, we, we go to the scene of the accident. Let's just say... That um, because it was at low height, um, mm-hmm. let's say that, the, I mean, Santa does have the ability to get off his, um, you know, his sleigh uh, magically. Yeah. So mm-hmm. he survives, he, you know, he puts his co-pilot, engineer, mm-hmm. whatever, uh, in, in the sack. They, they, they land safely. Um, the C-130, it doesn't have, I'm sure, the greatest glide ratio, um, but... You know, yeah, it feels, it feels it, like an impact coming. Yeah, and I, I don't think you can eject from a C-130. So, you know, they land with injuries, but everyone lives. You know, we'll, we'll, you know mm. it's, a, it's a Christmas miracle. Everyone lives. <laughs> it's a Christmas miracle. <laughs> yeah, so the first thing that, of course, um, everyone would go after would be, you know, radar logs. Um, they'd go after mm-hmm. the, um, mm-hmm. the flight data recorders. Uh, they they'd talk to... To ATC, because um, there, there is military mm-hmm. and civilian ATC. So, you know, the interesting thing is the the military one um, probably doesn't have to participate in the investigation, right? They can just say, "No, our work is classified." Um, you know, you, you don't have the jurisdiction to tell us, especially if you're in a foreign nation doing stuff uh, when it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 
So yeah, um, that means that if Santa's orders were coming over something that was audible, um, mm -hmm. you know, he'd be immediately found, you know, in the wrong because ATC tells him not to go someplace, but he's uh, countermanding ATC orders. Mm -hmm. um, you know, yeah, if, anybody who was connected, was at the other end of that communication, they'd be immediately identified, located, brought in. Yep. Although, here's an interesting mm -hmm. thing about uh, air crash investigations. In most cases, not all, unfortunately, but in most cases, uh, the people who essentially make mistakes uh, mm -hmm. as, as long as it's not with malicious intent, uh, generally they're not charged with anything because the mm -hmm. idea is to find out why things happened, not to mm -hmm. you know punish somebody. Because if you do that, then people are going to shut up and you're never going to learn what happened. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah. The essence of process. Process and engineering is what allowed us to get up to the sky on this regular basis anyway. So that's where you have to fix it. You don't have to worry about the people involved. Yeah, exactly. Um, and there's been a whole bunch of interesting, like, you know, r research topics into that. Um, there was, there's this thing called human factors, which is essentially mm -hmm. like a psychologist who tries to figure out why people do what they do based on, like, you know, human nature. Uh, and they, there's actually a case where they started doing that with, um, it, was, it was a really weird case. It was in the UK. Uh, they, they essentially had a windscreen, right, like a window on one of the planes that mm -hmm. was actually installed incorrectly with the wrong bolts, um, but it was just close enough that it wasn't a problem as long as all the bolts were, you know, equally the wrong one, but they were all tightened properly. Um, but when they went to replace it, they basically, they eyeballed the bolts. They got some of them right, but the rest of them were even smaller. And because of that, um, in the climb part of a takeoff, like the very next flight, uh, the window popped out and the pilot almost got sucked completely out of the plane. He was sucked partly out of the plane or blown, Whoa. you know, to use the right, right. terminology. Um, right. Everyone lived, uh, even him. Um, but yeah, they brought in the human factors guy to talk to the people on the ground, which they'd never done yeah. before uh, and, yeah. and learn stuff that way. So yeah, so the, the, the types of like investigations that they would do, um, mm -hmm. it would be really weird, but according to these rules, they'd have to bring in, um, you know, Turkish investigators for any mm -hmm. accident that happens because that's the country of registration. Um, and the thing is like- and That the, first guy, that first guy's gonna feel like a lot like Richard Dreyfus stepping onto the uh, Close Encounter song oh, yeah. right at the end, right? Yeah. Like, well, I know what I know. I have no idea what these guys know, but it's going to be something else, right? Yep. And uh, the other the, funny the, one the is... Turkish Spawn, Magic, Magic Wood, barely certifiable flying situation. Yep. They would have to lean heavily on the elves because that would be the country... That would be like the, the manufacturer of the Eric frame. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Hmm. I want this Christmas movie. Where the heck is this Christmas movie? <laughs> oh, I mean, man. Die Hard can, can crash some planes in a way that we're familiar with. But, yeah. you know, I want to know what the rest of this stuff is like. Yeah, well, apparently I watched it. There, there was a Netflix movie that has Kurt Russell as Santa Claus. Mm -hmm. um, and in it, basically, 
he has to regain access to his sleigh and the reindeer because there, an accident happens, essentially. I don't want to spoil too much of it. Um, and, and they get separated. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. So, I mean, that's the I think that's the closest because it was an in-flight mishap where the, the portion's detached, oh. right? Um, mm-hmm. So it would be... The, the way that it happened, you find out more stuff mm-hmm. later, but the way that it happened, it would be the equivalent of, like, a dual-engine flame-out on a dual-engine plane. Mm. Except that so the engines an, leave the plane. Errol Morris, an Errol Morris-level investigation approach to the situation that Claw's already at least plausibly laid out in front of us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There was actually another thing that I, I meant to bring up briefly. Uh, I didn't ha- include this in, you know, the incident, but, you know, th- this this magic wood, what if it's, like, indestructible? Um, there's this, like, there's this thing in aviation that certain parts, mm-hmm. like the titanium discs in a turbofan, right, in mm-hmm. a jet engine, um, mm-hmm. they're so strong that when they break, it's basically, they... they when they do the math on how much damage it would do, they treat it as if it has infinite velocity because it goes through every other part of the plane. It doesn't matter what it's made of. Um, so like a high-speed impact with a sleigh, if this wood is indestructible, it would be like turbofans going through the entire plane. Mm, categories. Yes. Sounds bad. <laughs> Don't do that. So there's your... There is a, a key part then of any uh, also safety setup is here you go. We're going to take the material that we've used and certified for this particular flight. We're going to take these titanium um, fan blades and we're going to throw at them and see what gives first. Yeah, that, that would be a good proxy. Mm-hmm. Although I love the idea of all the types of testing you could do with that. It's like, well, the, the titanium disc didn't work. Let's ask the military to borrow their railgun. <laughs> you set up the backup sleigh just off in some uh, in, in some at the end of some shooting range, and you're like, let's yeah. keep, let's keep at it. Keep bringing in whatever it is that we can land here at this remote FAA certification facility somewhere in Greenland. Yeah, which then leads even more. Like that's you're just doubling the amount of of. Uh, mercenaries and specialists that want to crawl all over trying to locate that thing because of the amount of technology that the u.s military is going to bring to bear to understand what kind of uh, engineering limitations we're looking at yeah it puts a whole new light on that norad tracking system it's like we need this thing (laughs) oh we're tracking him for you know the children yeah exactly we want you to be confident that uh he's going around there as opposed to perhaps a little afraid of the fact that the sleigh can't be destructed it can destruct anything else that gets in its path. That's yeah. actually why we're tracking it. Yeah, I just like the idea of trying to like work around the system where like military intelligence tries to find the goodest person to basically hire into the military and then make them mm-hmm. write a letter for like, mm-hmm. I'd like a piece of this material for Christmas, please. Mm. Why not do the same type of thing with, with, uh, with the guy, with the Santa like, why not have a Dread, Dread Santa Roberts, where the whole time, the idea of the Santa is what's important. There's some training involved. You have to be able to, to put on a good show. Really, though, 
it's a rotating cast of characters who put on the Dread Santa Roberts outfit and then go do their thing each year. Oh, that's that's a funny thought. It's like, yeah, um, it's like it's like one of those wild conspiracy theories. It's like you know there hasn't been a real Santa since 1979. Um, <laughs> since the incident. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, so is that is that Santa huddling and preserving himself in the style of the uh, the Japanese fighter who stayed alive for decades after the end of World War II? Uh, is, is that is that we're thinking of the people who survived the original incident? Perhaps the craft was recovered. All you found was evidence that people were alive afterward, and you've not actually located where the people themselves are. Or oh, they they yeah. protected themselves so well that there's no reason to, to dig them out of whatever spider hole they're in because you've got the rest of the operation now replicated in a way that meets your own needs. Oh, that's hilarious. The Danes are on, right, the Danes are on board. NORAD is on board. You have, have now uh, been able to force force the reindeer to do what you uh, would, would like them to do following assigned shifting rules, etc. cetera. Yep. So, so behind enemy lines, but it's Santa. <laughs> Instead of Black Hawk Down, it's Red Slay Down. <laughs> we're uh we're generating a lot of great movie ideas coming for future christmases here i hope people are listening yes i would absolutely watch a low budget like you know sci-fi channel original version of this mm-hmm. is that why we're getting these um is, is that where we're getting these new listers in new countries are we following some type of uh streaming service test market pattern that would be a funny idea like i don't know anything really about how they're distributed beyond the fact that I put them on a whole bunch of, um, podcast, you know, lists essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I gotta think that these people are finding them for like a keyword search, right? Cause I'm not advertising like the most recent one. I think the, the one that is in the newest country. Um, Mm -hmm. in fact, I think this is true for both of them was the nerd crimes episode, you know, which was, um, what nonviolent mm-hmm. crimes would you do during the purge? Yeah, uh, yeah. Which is kind of hilarious that Australia's on that list, you know. <laughs> Although, don't make that joke at customs; they'll just kick you out. <laughs> I'm just going to make my own T-shirt that says "Dread Santa Roberts," and I'm going to wear it around, and I'm going to be claimed to be Santa, you know, during the, the important periods of time. And I'm constantly looking for people that I can be, uh, that I feel are trustworthy to take on the mantle when the time is right. Yes. And uh, don't forget to, to have, like, a C-130 logo hidden somewhere. Like, you know, maybe on the back or maybe just on, like, the tag. <laughs> and every time you see uh, a, a little uh, reindeer, reindeer with the blinking red nose, you have a little sticker that you can put on it that allows it to oscillate. It's <laughs> predefined and, uh, and, and certifi- certifiably positive uh, uh, rate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So I, I think it feels like uh, we've reached a, a natural end, unless you have any other, uh, you know. We've covered a lot add. of great ground. Yeah, this one I think we did pretty well. Um, I w- whenever we do one of these, I'm always worried. That it's like, what if this is like ten minutes worth of stuff? But there's always so many details because it's a big part of the world that we're changing, even if it seems like a small part. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. I I am satisfied. I know what I'll be getting everyone on my list as presents next year. Yes. Mag Mag Magic Wood. Um, magic Wood. Start with the Magic Wood. All 23 seasons Great. of Air Crash Investigation. Yep. 100%. Uh, I, will, I will start sending out the pitches for the multiple movie ideas that we've had here out to people that uh, are in the industry somewhere. Yeah, there you uh, go. And then a whole raft of uh, Dread Santa Roberts merch at all at all appropriate sizes. Yeah, the, the, the slaying of Santa Force One. <laughs> well, Red Slay Down. Red Slay Down is... is <laughs> that that is a better one. Easy to remember. Easy to remember. Easy, easy to... Easy to see how uh, how you build the original story and then probably things on top of it. Yep. Although you're going to find someone in the military who likes it just a little bit too much. And really <laughs> wants to fund for their work. Yep. Yeah, there's there's so many good potential action sequences in that. Like, um, you know, Santa does still have his sack with him, so he can just pull out you know like heavy munitions to defend himself. Mm -hmm. Right. And there's the slow. There's the um, uh, <laughs> the slow motion clips that you have of him being like, I guess I'm putting you on my naughty list. Yes. And then, you know, or the uh, or the fact that a person they're on hand to hand and they snap off the uh, the titanium fan blade, and he like <laughs> yanks free yanks free the end of the the sleigh runner, and they just go to go to town, go into town. Nice. Mono, mono y Santo. Yep. And at some point, you know, it's Santa. He has to like stomach bump somebody into something. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I'm I, I'm satisfied. I think we've I think we've covered far more culture than we could have uh, at a time when people think that all of the things that are coming out are going to be light and airy and somehow just just last you one more week until you get to the end of the year. Yep. Yep. Exactly. <clears throat> yep. Yeah, so I guess uh, I guess we can do the uh, the outro segment of this podcast, which is other podcasts. For now, we, we might move to other types of content eventually uh, that are doing uh, a better job than us. Uh, we're moving up in the ranks, I think. I'm sure there are mm -hmm. podcasts with fewer episodes, for one thing. Um, mm -hmm. So I've been yeah, recently. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I've recently been going through because uh, there's only I think nine episodes of this one so far uh, called mm -hmm. the Cool Worlds podcast which is mm -hmm. actually hosted by like an actual astrophysicist somebody who has published works uh, and, mm -hmm. and like makes actual proposals like he wanted to use James Webb to find exomoons which we found planets mm -hmm. around other mm -hmm. stars but we haven't found moons around planets around other stars oh uh, and uh, it would be cool to do that. Unfortunately, his was rejected for now, but you never know. Um, mm -hmm. The James Webb Space Telescope, they estimated five to ten years when they put it mm -hmm. up because it's it's in a Lagrange point, which is basically a gravitationally stable point that's like in front of the moon. It's it's between the moon and the sun, I think. it's one, There's like four of them, or maybe five, that are stable in the Earth-Moon-Sun system, or mostly stable. Mm -hmm. Um but it's not perfectly stable, so it has to use little bits of propellant. And they did mm -hmm. such a good job of placing it that they might get an additional five or ten years out of it. Um, mm. So you never wow. know. He might get time on it sometime in the future. So that's that's mine. 
Uh, it's he has a he has a great uh, like radio voice too, so it's fun to listen to. Mm-hmm. I will throw in something I've seen a growing number of people recommend, and I'll add my voice to it, and that's hmm. If Books Could Kill. Oh, I've heard they of that are, one. They've, they've run for just over a year or so, and there is a clear difference between the ones that are publicly available free and those that you can subscribe to get. Hmm. And even the publicly available ones have started to have an impact in the in the real world outside of punditry. They're going after things that you might think of as well within the scope of punditry explaining how it is that a cultural idea emerges, mm-hmm. people may take it in a in such a literal, short-said way as truth and then make choices based on it, business choices, personal choices, social choices, and so on. Just like you know, punditry is, is that bigger, that, that sort of bigger world in effect. Um, they spent time looking at the theoretical rise in organized retail crime that oh, traced yeah. back to a very small number of stores in a very specific place over a very narrow period of time and then was blown up widely as if it was somehow explainable as to why we need investment in lots of police and lots of you know it has implications on policing on uh work on the viability of uh retail work being done in particular ways versus other ways that of course the people at the top of the chain would like to be changed Mm -hmm. for their benefit and so on yeah i remember getting yeah awesome yeah, that specific one, I remember um, people getting blowback against that because, like, more research was done. It's like, hey, what are you talking about? This isn't really a thing, uh, mm-hmm. you know, generally speaking, and for those reasons. Um, mm-hmm. It does remind me, speaking of, like, perception versus reality. Um, yeah. If you want to see a wild case of, like, um, essentially forcing people to not be able to protest something anymore um Mm -hmm. look up cop city in atlanta cop city in atlanta okay yeah it's it's a wild story there's been a lot of arrests at least one Mm -hmm. death um Mm -hmm. yeah so interesting not grim stuff something that more people should be aware of um so yeah so i think that's they've already been able to swallow learning about the incident yeah, well, they basically criminalized um, like bail funds, and mm. they charged protesters with uh, terrorism charges. My my, damn. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah. Uh, anything else besides our podcast recommendations? So, um, you know, the the, the official uh, thing that people are supposed to do, who are I guess we're content creators, we we create content. Uh, is, you know, the call to action thing, like at the beginning. Um, you know, if you like this, please leave it a positive review. If you didn't like mm-hmm. it, send it to somebody you didn't like. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and again, that email, um, you know, e- send us a phishing email. You never know what might mm-hmm. happen. Uh, sure. That.hypotheticals.podcast at gmail.com. And, uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm still open to just yell it out the window. Open it up, yell your opinion out the window. See if people pass it along. If it reaches one of us, we'll uh, we'll we'll send a chain back to you. Yeah, or do what they did with that that weird guy who uh, didn't believe the moon landing was real. You know, you just uh, print out a whole bunch of pages, you staple them together, you send them in the mail to random people. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. you, you hand them out on the side of the street. Good times. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. Although if you're gonna if you're gonna share our podcast that way, I recommend a QR code, and not a badly yeah. written 
by hand piece Save of paper. Save yourself a lot of printing ink if you do it that way, yeah. Yeah. All right, I, I guess that's a podcast. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you.